So why are we talking about NATO? Why are we talking about NATO? Because NATO has decided to be, well, they're planning to begin these drills, right? Oh, but it's, it's just regular drills. Ah, but these drills are the largest since the Cold War. Largest since the Cold War. Now, the name of the drills is called Steadfast Defender. I believe that's what they always call these drills, which is why it's Steadfast Defender 24, because it's 2024. But these drills, uh, on top of being the biggest since the Cold War, are going to include at least 1,100 combat vehicles, at least 80 aircraft, 50 naval vessels from all 31 NATO countries, and 90,000 men. So, very big. And of course, since it's a NATO drill, and it's simulating response to a, a Russian aggression against a NATO member, well, the Russian aggression isn't going to be against France. If it were to come, it'd be in Eastern Europe. So now they're going to be doing drills, military drills in Eastern Europe while there's a, a physical, actual war going on right next door. Hello. That brings with, opens the door to war. It opens the door to war. I'll just put that on the table right, at, right away as we get into this story here. Very big drill on the border with, uh, on the border states of NATO, so to speak. Lots of combat vehicles, lots of aircraft, lots of naval vessels, and lots of men. Effectively an entire army, 90,000 men. A massive coalition force. These drills are going to include Sweden, they're going to include Sweden, and they're going to go on from this week until May. It's this is what the second to last well the last full week of January and the second to last week technically of January. May is uh, let's see February March April three months away. So they're gonna be doing this for three months. In the middle of a real war. And the location is obviously going to be in Eastern Europe, right next door to where the war is. Now, we'll see if it's in Poland or if it's in Romania. Or if they have the balls to put them in the Baltic states, which would be crazy. But I digress. They're doing this really, really big uh, show a force. Moving all these assets, all these military assets, right next to an active war zone. Now you can say, oh, it's just standard procedure. And the war in Ukraine is the justification for why it should be bigger. Now, we could say that it was innocent and they were, NATO is just preparing to defend itself in the event of Russian aggression. We would be able to say that were it not for the immense amounts of aid that NATO has given to Ukraine, we would be able to say such things about this conflict if it wasn't for the how deeply involved NATO already was in Ukraine. See, because NATO has treated Ukraine as if it was a de facto member state, 
uh, and giving it weapons and money to like out the wazoo. NATO cannot make the claim or cannot, you know, pass itself off as being uninvolved in this conflict. So when you get involved in this conflict to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars, and now as this conflict is winding down, because we're in the we're in the final act, right? The climax is a couple months away at this point. And by a couple, I mean like towards the end of summer, but we're we're in the end game now <laughs> to to quote Thanos. What quote Thanos? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, that's not that. But we're <laughs> we're in the end game now. <laughs> oh my god. I don't think that I said that. <laughs> but alas, alas, alas. The war in Ukraine is in the end game now. It's in the end game now. But NATO has been deeply involved in this conflict to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And now, as the conflict winds down, as it becomes apparent to everybody that Ukraine's gonna lose, now you have the largest NATO drill since the Cold War. See, you could make the claim of innocence and just be, we're just trying to protect our fellow NATO member states. You could make that claim if you were not so deeply involved with Ukraine, right? If you were actually a mere observer watching what's going on and saying, look, the Russians are getting aggressive with, with Ukraine. We as NATO need to be more active and proactive in preparing our defenses in just in case they come a little closer, right? That that'd be like, that'd be like, oh, there's a war in Mexico, right? There's a war in Mexico. Guatemala is going off. Guatemala is going. They they marched onto Mexico City somehow. We we don't know how they did it, but Guatemala marched onto Mexico City. And they they and they they claim to want to go all the way up to the border between Mexico and the United States. They're gonna they're gonna conquer all of Mexico. Well, if we're the United States, you would say, oh, that might be dangerous. We should prepare our military forces for the event that we have to defend our border from these people, right? That would be one thing. But if along the way you're giving billions of dollars to the Mexicans to, to fight the Guatemalans, uh, you're not neutral in this war. So now you doing this massive military drill in, say, Texas with 100,000 American troops, now it looks like you're about to join the war. And that is the optics that will hang over this drill. It looks like a potential entry into the war. So, uh, and I put that out there because it's a possibility. It is a distinct possibility that I've talked about, especially with those ideas of uh, uh, NATO peacekeepers deploy, being deployed to Western Ukraine uh, without consulting the Russians on the matter which was an idea being floated back in sort of the, the autumn of 2022, you know, but before they got the even dumber idea of a freeze without the Russian, without consulting the Russians, every idea they have of how to con of how to end this conflict involves not involving the Russians. <laughs> every, 
every solution they have is let's do this this thing that depends on the russians going along with it but we're not going to consult the russians we're going to have a ceasefire okay well that requires the russians to go along with the ceasefire are we going to talk to the russians about that no we're not putin popping we're gonna we're gonna have a, a peacekeepers in western ukraine the russians aren't going to shoot at us are we going to talk to the russians about that to make sure that they don't shoot no we we why do we need to do that it, every solution that they have we're gonna tr we're gonna have ukraine trade land in the east in exchange for nato membership they're gonna they're gonna make peace with russia and give up land in the east in exchange for nato membership do we consult the russians about that no it, it it's it's the definition of insanity. It's almost the definition of insanity, I should say. Because they're not exactly trying the same thing over and over and over and trying to get the same result. They're trying slightly different things. Slightly different things over and over and over and over again. And the result is the same because they keep ignoring the same factor. The Russians. You want to end a war between country X and the Russians, but you don't want to talk to the Russians. That's slow. It's dumb, but and we talked about all these bad ideas. We talked about them wanting a no-fly zone. If you remember that back when the war first started, ideas about a no. And we, the United States, we're going to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine, and the Russians have to deal with it. Okay, well, what if they don't deal with it? Oops. It's like all these incredibly dumb ideas that would have gotten us into a war in two seconds flat. These ideas were entertained as legitimate ideas for about a, at least a month each. Uh, I, I say at least because uh, that's the lower end of the spectrum because the, the no-fly zone thing died after about a month. But the peace, the peacekeepers in Ukraine took about a month and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it went on a little bit longer, but it died after about a month and a half. But the freeze, the freeze has lasted for what half a half a year now it's still being talked about as a legitimate idea the fruit we're gonna freeze the conflict we're gonna we're gonna trade land for nato membership and though both of those are still alive and well in the minds of these unrealistic people they will blunder us into a war if they're not careful and because these are the people in charge i have to i i have to stress that these drills here could get us into a war because they opened the door for us to just quickly deploy a large and well-supplied force into the east this could be a very easily transitioned into oh all these troops are now going to be peacekeepers in ukraine like if if some major defeat happens to the ukrainians while this drill is going on we could be oh my god this is so terrible Ukraine can't fight anymore. We can't let this go, especially if uh, a funding, uh, an aid, uh, excuse me, especially if an aid package doesn't make its way through the U.S. Congress and they go, oh my God, this terrible defeat for the Ukrainians. America's not going to, there's no more money coming for Ukraine. Is this the end for Ukraine? We can't allow this. We can't allow this. All these troops we have in Eastern Europe right now need to go into Ukraine and say, stand up to Putin and say enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough. We're not going to let you conquer this country. That's a possibility. 
that's a possibility. I, I, I have I have to tell you, it is a possibility. As dumb as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, it is a distinct possibility. And I, I keep talking about distinct possibilities here because we're dealing with people who are not rational. Where people it people in charge of our Middle East strategy, quote unquote strategy, are not rational. They want war. The people in charge of our policy towards Russia are not rational. They just hate Russia with every fiber of their fucking being. And I think some of them are slow enough to get us into a war. Now, from what I have observed, they are willing to do anything negative towards Russia up until the point of war. And that is the one saving grace that I have observed from these people. They will do everything up until till the point of war with Russia. So they do have limits. They're not as bloodthirsty. Well, I can't say that. They're not they're not as um gung-ho for a straight up war with Russia as say the people in charge of the Middle East are. because uh, they they just want a war with everybody. But the people in charge of dealing with Russia don't actually want us to be at war with the Russians. They want to bleed the Russians dry. They wouldn't mind if 100 million Russians died. But they, even as a direct result of their policy, but they don't want a direct war with Russia. That is the one saving grace that I've observed from these people. And I think that there's a, a large enough critical mass of these uh, not sane, because they're still not sane. They're very sick mentally. But these people, there's a large enough critical mass of people who don't want a straight-up war with Russia to over overrule the hotheads and the straight-up ideologues who do want the war with Russia. I think there's enough to where we don't have to worry too much about what I've described here. But as we enter into the endgame and the Ukraine hysteria starts to hit its fever pitch, do not be surprised if these troops, uh, all or in part, end up uh, being deployed to Western Ukraine as a peacekeeping force. I would not be surprised at all. It's a, it is a possibility. We are dealing with very irrational people. So, And if that is the case, we're dealing with the, the dis- an even more distinct possibility of a war between Russia and NATO. The Russians are prepared for this. Remember, they mobilized a million men. They did not mobilize a million men for a war with Ukraine. They mobilized a million men in the event that NATO did something really, really stupid. And we might be on the cusp of witnessing that incredibly stupid action. But I will digress. I will digress. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. But the, the Russians are prepared for it. We think we're prepared for it. But it's going to end badly. Uh, that is World War Three in an official capacity. It's official. It's officially. It's official. It's World War Three. If NATO is at war with Russia, it's official. I didn't make the rules. I didn't make the rules. It's just official. <laughs> uh, and technically, it is because you know Russia stretches from Europe to Asia. America would be involved. Canada would be involved. All of Europe would be involved. So technically, it is a world war. Technically. But I digress. That is what's happening in Europe. We have these drills, biggest drills since the Cold War. Ninety thousand men, a thousand plus military vehicles, 
80 aircraft, 50 naval vessels from 30 from all 31 member countries. This could go south really fast. And you could see the peacekeeper idea you sort of pushed back up to the forefront, or even God forbid the no fly zone. Oh, brother. But alas, keep your eyes peeled for NATO. I fear that they will do something stupid. I think there's enough slightly less dumb people in charge who will keep the ultimate stupidity from being committed. But I'm not going to bet on that. So uh, I bring that to you because we are in crazy times. We are in very, very crazy times. But I will leave it there. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.